0: I had been thinking about something in regarding to sports. Because so much now, at least in the United States, around the VAC seems to be a push around the NFL, the National Football League. I was thinking about football, baseball, basketball. In the United States, they're the primary sports. The rest of the world seems to have a very big (coughs) affiliation With football but we call it here in the United States soccer there's a lot more to sports than we think it seems to actually be a fertility ritual if you go back to the origins of soccer or football in the rest of the world there's a lot more to the purpose of why it was started There's typically two teams. They rush into a stadium and they fight over a ball. I've talked about this in the past, but especially around the Super Bowl time, it's a fertility ritual. There's the seed from two sides fighting in an arena, a womb, for the egg, a ball. But I was thinking about it, in the United States baseball is considered America's pastime. It is the prime distraction. It changed culture, it changed it from work, family, learning into seeking fun, to be befooled, to be distracted, to be taken off course. But I was thinking about the names. Baseball, football, basketball. And the word ball just keeps, kept ringing in my head. It's awfully similar to Baal, a deity we see from the Bible. Some refer to it as Baal. B A apostrophe A L. So I looked at the etymology of baseball, football, basketball. Base means step. I think baseball, as America's pastime, it was the first step to the distraction of the people that live in the regenerated land of Israel. A nation, not the country. The second step was football. It was the once the first step was taken, now the feet were planted for Baal. Then came basket Baal, in which Baal could gather his harvest. But I was thinking about Baal, and I was also looking at I've been talking quite a bit about the battle, the final battle between Gog the prince against Michael. Each has an army. So I started looking a little bit closer. If you go to Ezekiel 38, a lot of people refer to the war of Gog and Magog, but they don't read, apparently. And that's not a knock, it's just an observation. If you read, starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face Toward Gog of the land of Magog. Magog means land of Gog. The chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, that's Gog, he's the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his hordes, Bethgarma, from the outermost parts of the north with all his hordes, many peoples are with you. If you read through the army that is assembled, it is the sons of Japheth and Ham. If you look at the etymology of Ham, you'll see it's not necessarily related to pigs. That's more in its definition. It seems to be more of the base of the image of Daniel. It's like the calf, the knee area of the leg. But Noah had three sons. He had Shem, Japheth, and Ham. If you look at the, the genealogy, the family line from Japheth and Ham, you will see all these are the sons and grandsons of these two of the brothers. That is the army that will be put in, being fo- that is following Gog. The other side is going to be the family that follows Michael. It's the other brother, Shem. Now, Shem had Elam, Asher, and Arphaxad. There's, and there's two others, but those are the three I'm going to point out because those are mentioned the most often. Arphaxad is where Israel comes from. That's where Abraham, that line comes from, Arphaxad. Abraham had... Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. His 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. You'll see that if you walk through the line of Noah. Asher is a brother of our Foxad. In Genesis chapter 10, verses 10 through 12, we see, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kelna in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher, so he was in the land of, I should look, I, sorry. I didn't give you the full context. I'm gonna trust that you will read the full chapter, the full book, <clears throat> but that's where Asher comes from. It's the brother of Arphaxad. It's the son of Shem, son of Noah. And Asher built Nineveh. It's renamed after Asher. Remember, Nineveh means house of fish. It's after Asher needed to be humbled. They went into the belly of the great fish, just like Jonah did. And the city of Rehoboth means wide places, and Kala, a holy gate, and Resin, great city, or resin, like resin of pine sap. It's a great city, but it seems to be sticky. Between Nineveh and Kala, the same is the great city. That's where Asher went. That's where Nineveh comes from. That's how we see the army. In Daniel chapter 12, we see that Michael, at that time, Michael will arise. And also we see in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 12, so Daniel, Daniel, Daniel chapter 12 is the prince. Matthew chapter 12 is the army. If you start at the verse 38, you can see it's the sign of Jonah. But I'm going to go to 40, verse 41 because I've talked through this a few times. But the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The men will rise up and they will condemn it. If you look in other... Places throughout the Bible you will see, like in Isaiah 30, 31, For through the voice of the Lord Assyria, which is named after Asher, will be beaten down as he strikes with the rod. Zephaniah 2, 13, And he will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation, as dry as the wilderness. Zechariah 10, 11, he shall pass through the sea with affliction and strike the waves of the sea. All the depths of the river shall dry up. Then the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. Ezekiel 32:22. Asher is there and all her company. His graves are about him, all of them slain, fallen by the sword. It goes on. There's a number of different references, but if you go into the book of Jonah, you will see that Jonah was sent by God, but he was being fussy, didn't want to go. So he ended up being thrown out of the boat, swallowed by that great fish. Then he repented from Hades, the belly of that great fish, was vomited out, then went to the land of Nineveh, and at his preaching, they, in warning, they repented. So their destruction that was declared was forgiven at their repentance. And Jesus tells us at the end, because they repented, they will rise up. Asher. It's also referenced back when Jesus makes the visit into Jerusalem. He rides on an ass. It goes back, it's even referenced back to Zephaniah. It's because that has already been prophesied that this will happen. Jesus rides in on an ass, but asher, it's A-S-S. It's the what we think of as a donkey. It's a burst of beast of burden, but her is, H-U-R is a noble man. It's describing Jesus, white as snow and as they're and G, as Jesus is riding in the people are laying down branches and they're throwing their tunics or their cloaks on the ground and what happens is the donkey, excuse me, the ass tramples them he tramples the branches the pruning he tramples the cloaks the False, be the like the wolves in sheep's clothing, their jerseys, he tramples them. It's a threshing process before the Lord. That's what the Lord rides in on. When I say Lord, I'm referring to Jesus, rides in on, the rescuer. Asher is his beast of burden, renamed as Nineveh, but they repented and are Asher. They will rise up. In the end. If you go to Ezekiel 38, I was thinking about this baal, baseball, football, basketball, ba'al, and gog, this army, this other side. And they come to the realization gog and baal are the same. They're just coming from a different place, so they have a different name a different people is referring to him. If you look up Gog, you will find that it's also Hammond Gog. When I was looking at Baal, I found out that Baal Hammond. Now in the Hammond Gog, it refers to the prince of Meshach and Tubal. It's a prince. Hammond Gog means Multitude of the rooftops, or many people on the rooftops. Haman means a large group of noisy people. Gog also can be gag. It means rooftop. That's where it comes from. So I'm going to point something out in a little bit. Remember rooftop, multitude on the rooftops. Baal haman, now, in this one, it's got two Ms, H-A-M-M-O-N, but in Hamon-gog it's one M, H-A-M-O-N. Same thing, just spelled different. It translates as Lord Hammond. Baal means Lord. So be very careful when you're using the word Lord as to who you're referring to. That's where I think a lot of people can get fooled. Lord Hammond, Baal Haman. Haman, if you look it up he is the chief god of Carthage means new town. He's referred to and you look from you look at their theology perspective he is the king of gods he has ram's horns you'll see that in Daniel weather he's a weather god like thunder, fertility, vegetation it's the same things that he is said to rule over same as like Thor because Hammon also can refer to like Hammer, like Thor. Hammond again can be the multiple of, multitude of noisy people. <coughs> the hammer of Thor. He's a bearded, older man. Other references to him would be Kronos or Saturn. He's the dark father. There's the dark mother. Baal or Gog is the dark father. Kronos, Saturn. He's depicted as the bearded old man. That's why when we talked about Christmas, remember Christ is and it means anointed. It isn't a noun, it's an adjective. So if you're not paying attention to what it's attached to, if it's just left out there, it can refer to anything. But as we talked about, it's the origin of Christ Mass. It's not Jesus' birthday, it's the birthday of Kronos. Saturn it's the bearded old man Santa Claus father time that's Kronos it's named after Saturn Saturnalia it's the same entity a different name a mighty man men of old men of renown new name so first The hook is put in the jaw of Gog, the prince chief of Meshach and Tubal. I'm going to go to Ezekiel 39 ask you to read the whole book of 38 to see what happens. Chapter 39, it starts off, And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn you about and drive you toward and bring you up from the uttermost parts of the north and lead you against the mountains of Israel. He's going to lead them up against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and I will make your arrows drop out of your right hand. You shall fall on the mountains of Israel." you and all your hordes and the peoples who are with you. It continues. I'll ask you to read that. The the key is, Gog is, he's assembled an army because God put hooks in his jaws, this prince. He is the prince of Meshech and Tubal. What does that mean? Well, Meshech means, it's also a form of mash, M-A-S-H, from Genesis 10 you can read that but it means price or precious he is the chief prince of a price tubal means the world econ- whole world economy it's also the spear the symbol of government it's the whole it's the price of participating in the whole world economy it's a spear like a jab. I think we've seen that being replicated. As I was thinking about this with the whole world economy, it reminded me of the dollar bill of the United States. It's considered the world reserve currency. If you look at the back of a dollar bill, there is what's called the Great Seal. On it, it says, coeptis, Favors are undertakings. It has the all-seeing eye on the top of the pyramid. It's referring to Baal, Gog, Kronos, Saturn. If you go into the Egyptian religions and all that, it's a different name, but it's the same being. Underneath that, it says, Novus Ordo Seclorum, New Order of the Ages. They're saying that this deity approves of the undertakings, taking under Through this new order of the ages, people are saying there's going to be a one-world religion, a one-world government, a new world order. It's already established, and it already has a currency. And people are paying the price for participating. It says, (laughs) for those that love money, well, it's the U.S. dollar bill. The world is drunk on it. But something else interesting all of a sudden made so much more sense. So when we see this, we see Haman meaning a multitude on, of the rooftops. If you read through Joel, you read through Hosea, you read through all the prophets, you re- finish reading through Ezekiel 38 and 39, you will see what this army does and you will see how they climb on the rooftops. Now I have to see—is that thirty-nine or thirty-eight? I'll let you read through it to understand what's going on here. But he moves them against and onto the mountains of Israel. If you remember from the previous previous episodes, mountain mound comes from a root of man. Tain is hold. It's the man holds. It's the ark. It is the chamber of Israel. So he says, go into your chambers just a little while while this p- this fury passes. This is the whole thing. They are going to be moving on the mountains, the manholes, the chambers of Israel. But in Ezekiel 39 he says, but that's where they fall. When you read Matthew 24 starting in verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea, it's a people, flee to the mountains, the manholes, run to your chamber, your ark that you should be already preparing. It will be lit by the knowledge of the oil. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. What is he referring to? Who is on the housetop? Hammongog. They fall on the houses. They can't go in. It is a chamber. It is an ark. They can't go down and steal anything. They move on it, and that's where they get caught, and they get destroyed. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. Remember, when Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he's riding on an ass. It's his beast of burden. Asher goes First, he tramples the cloaks. He tramples the branches. It's a pruning, a threshing. For there will be great tribulation, a time of fury such as as has not been from the beginning of the world until that day. No, No, never will be. This is the time that if the time weren't shortened for the elect's sake, there'd be nobody left. It's going to be a time of great tribulation immediately after the tribulation of those days. Matthew, starting at verse 29 in chapter 24, that's when the day of the Lord happens. Ezekiel 39. But I want to point out something from... Again, Matthew 24, starting in verse 37, because we've seen this, it's going to be like the days of Noah. The end will come with a flood. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. They were distracted with the great American pastime or whatever pastime in the country in which you are in. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now here's something that I hadn't thought of before because we have the definition. Then two men will be in the field. If you read through in Matthew 13, the world is the field. Two men will be in the field. They'll be in the world. One will be taken. One will be left. Typically people read that and think one will be left in the field. That's where a lot of people will associate the rapture. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Again, one woman left in the mill. The world is the field. They're still growing, there's the harvest that has to take place. Two women will be grinding in the mill. That's the place where they make flour from wheat. It's a place of threshing, clearing, cleaning. One will be taken. One will be left. It's like where they also come from the the movie Left Behind, that series. But I want to point something out in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from his goats. Remember who has the goat horns? Gog, Hammon, Cronos, Saturn. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The right are entered. They're taken into the kingdom. If you jump to verse 41, Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. They aren't left in the field. They aren't left in the mill. They are sent to his left. They are the goats, the weeds, the chaff, the tares. The right will be the sheep, the wheat. They will be taken into the kingdom. The others are on the left. They aren't left in place. They are sent to his left. They give an answer saying they said, Lord, Lord, but they didn't understand what Lord means and Jesus Jesus says, I don't know you. That's in the parable of the ten virgins. But the ones on the left in verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. They will be taken into the kingdom. The left will be sent into eternal punishment. I hadn't read that that way before. Who is going to be on the housetops? It's not going to be people running for their lives. It's going to be saying, no, those that are aware, that are staying awake. Matthew 24, verse 42. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house, which means Lord, understand which Lord you serve, had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have, let his house be broken into. It's your chamber. Have the light, the oil. Stay awake. So that those, the Hammond Gog can't enter into your house from the rooftops because Hammond Gog is a large group of noisy people, a multitude of the rooftops. It is the prince of the order of the world. It's the money. It's the price to pay, to serve the bearded man, the hammer of Thor, the chrono-Saturn, Baal, Gog, Mammon. Are you awake? If not, wake up. Don't let your house be broken into. Have your ark ready. Have your lamp filled with oil so that it's not broken into. Godspeed.